This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, this is Tuesday morning and in Moscow, the big international political development is the visit of Xi Jinping, the Chinese Communist Party leader, to uh, Moscow. He's spending three days there. He arrived yesterday. He leaves tomorrow and he's there clearly to meet Vladimir Putin. And of course, there is a possibility He will speak to the Ukrainian president, Zelensky, on the phone at some stage. But the meeting itself is intriguing, three days long. And to discuss the implications of it now, we're joined by Ian Williams. Ian is the author of The Fire of the Dragon, China's New Cold War. It's his latest book. He's a very distinguished journalist whose uh, work in Moscow, in the Indo-Pacific, and indeed in China for NBC News and Channel 4, earned him an Emmy and BAFTA awards, and it's a great pleasure to welcome him to the program. Ian, in your view, what is the significance of Xi's visit to Moscow at this time? I think it's very significant in in a number of different ways, both practical and symbolic. Um, Symbolically, it is giving diplomatic backing uh, to Putin at a time when Putin has been served with a an arrest warrant uh, for war crimes from the International Criminal Court um, coming just after he's spent the weekend in parts of occupied Ukraine. which would seem to go against Chinese supposed principles of territorial integrity and sovereignty. Um, and here is she turning up in Moscow, not just for a fleeting visit, but for a three-day visit of formal and informal talks. Uh, and I think that there are all sorts of practical things that both sides want to try and get out of this uh, this visit. But the symbolism is profound, um, and will, it will be watched extraordinarily carefully and nervously uh, by neighbours, by Europe, and by Washington. Yes, and the view from uh, Beijing is uh, interestingly summarised by something said a long time ago in 1957 by Mao, 
Chairman Mao, uh, he said there are two winds in the world today, the east wind and the west wind. I believe that the east wind is prevailing over the west wind, and that could be translated as a belief that Putin and she share that the decadent West is divided. It might not have the will because of Brexit, because of the Trump factor, divisions in Europe, to confront, in this case, Putin when he went into Ukraine, or indeed China if it goes into Taiwan. In your view, Ian, is that the underlying feeling these two dictators share? I, they certainly share a view of the West as being decadent and in decline, and were both, I think, profoundly surprised by the solidarity that was shown by yes. Western democracies and the sanctions that, that, that resulted. Yes, Xi has echoed a lot of those sentiments of Mao Zedong um, repeatedly, uh, saying that the future was in the East, the future was with China, uh, the future was with uh, Asia, um, led by China. Um, those words, to some extent, have been echoed by uh, Putin. But the Russian worldview is a very is a very complicated one. Um, historically, there's always been this tug of war uh, over Russian identity. Is that yes. does that identity lie with Europe? Does it lie? Uh, with the East, with Asia, um, or is it unique and separate and holy, which is, of course, the view of Slavophiles who would be closely associated with Putin. So there's always been a fairly schizophrenic view in Moscow about about China, about the East, um, which is mixed with the desire to exploit it, um, but a very deep suspicion of it as well. So in the Russian context, yes, they share these, this view of the West as being decadent, in decline, um, and the the desire to create a new international world order, uh, yes. which is safer for uh, authoritarian leaders, but I think in terms of the the view that the it's time that the, the, the rising East that's explicitly part of China uh, Communist Party ideology, uh, but Russia's is more complicated. I think when they look to try and uh, um, shape a sense of identity and and, and a world view. Now, in a wider context, she has just brokered a peace deal between. Iran and the Saudis, which is apparently a very significant and important deal. Obviously, Iran and the Saudis would go into the authoritarian camp, as it were. Can I ask you if, to what extent, this is not a meeting of equals, this meeting between Putin uh, and Xi. This is a meeting between Xi and the body language almost says it, who is powerful, relaxed, on top of his game, and unchallengeable, and Putin, who arguably made a horrible miscalculation and has conducted the war very much personally, from all we can gather, and not very well. Indeed. Uh, just just to, to pick you up on the point about Iran and Saudi Arabia, you are right, and chi Chinese diplomats have been putting it out there that this shows a deft diplomatic touch, a, a triumph, a diplomatic triumph by 
China. So you know, this shows what can be achieved. I mean, I don't think there are really any parallels. I think there were particular circumstances and a particular desire in the Middle East to come to that accommodation, and yes. China was a useful intermediary. I don't really see parallels with Ukraine and and and, and Russia. But in terms of of Xi going to Moscow, it is very much a partnership of two profoundly unequal countries, which have been becoming more so by the minute, and certainly because of the conflict in Ukraine. And the body language, as you point out, I think people will be poring over the language, the nuances of any statements that are made, but also looking at the optics, looking at the way they relate to each other. And to me, it screams out that Putin is the supplicant. You know, yes. he's the one that desperately needs China. He needs China's material support. He needs China's diplomatic backing. And privately, he will be urging China to provide ammunition and weapons uh, and other materials for his war effort, because China being one of the few countries, possibly the only country with a sizable military industrial base that can speedily provide the sort of kit which Putin desperately wants. So this is really a demonstration, and I think this is one of the most striking things about this summit. It's a demonstration of just how unequal this so-called partnership has become uh, and will, will be going into the future. Now, with your experience in and going back to the theory that she uh, and Putin share about decadence and div division in the West, can I ask you to cast your mind back a little? Had Donald Trump been in the White House and Brexit been on the move, would we be in a far more dangerous place now? Or would Ukraine exist as an independent country? Because I would take the view, which you can please correct me if I'm wrong, that Joe Biden's administration and Biden himself have led NATO, have led the Western response and done so with real determination and vigor and the money and arms to back it up. And it's very fortunate that Trump wasn't in the White House and one thinks of the deference he showed to Putin in a press conference, I think in Helsinki, uh, when he was president. Indeed, and I think that, I mean, everything is hindsight, but possibly had there been uh, the, the timing over Brexit, as you mentioned, looking back at what might have been, it could well be that the Chinese-Russian predictions about decadence, division, decline uh, would have been more than bought out because of the lack of a unified response. Yes. I suppose the optimists would say that this invasion was so shocking, so appalling, that it would have jolted e even the, the previous White House into action. Uh, and indeed, uh, I, th I think the European resolve has been admirable in this as well, uh, as well as so, you know, arguably the the dynamics could have been such that there would have been a unified response. But yes, there is this nagging doubt that 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 had Trump still been in the White House when this happened, that all those predictions that you saw in China and Russia about a lack of response from the West, divisions, decline, might have might have been fulfilled. And I suppose the worrying thing looking forward is what happens you know, beyond 
uh, Biden? Uh, do we see more American isolationism and uh, a reluctance to see through this conflict? Uh, it, it's you know it's it's worrying. It's and it's highly likely uh, uh, DeSantis, who is likely to possibly be <laughs> the next American president, given Trump's woes elsewhere. Uh, he and Trump are not alike, and he's on the record very recently in the last two weeks as saying Ukraine is not a priority, should not be a priority, and effectively saying it's not our business. That is isolationism in a phrase, isn't it? It is. I mean, another worrying thing he said was dismissing this as, oh, it's a territorial dispute between Russia and Ukraine. What's it got to do with us? I mean, that is a chilling level of ignorance yes. uh, to suggest that this has nothing to do and will have anything other than a profound effect on, on liberal democracies. Uh, the, the, the consequence of, of Putin getting his way is chilling. Uh, the, the, the where that might lead and the damage that might cause elsewhere. And I think when you see those statements, I, I guess a charitable way of looking at it is that foreign affairs isn't his main thing. Um, he's got a lot to learn. And one does hope that if he does make it to the White House, there will be those around yes. him that, that quickly bring him up to speed, that this is actually an awful lot more than a simple territorial dispute between Ukraine and Russia. It's very profound views on on the world. Uh, it, it's you know it affects us all, and I, I, I you know you you sort of hope that uh, that uh, that view does prevail. Whoever is uh, next in the White House. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Now, let me ask you, Ian, about yesterday, which was the 20th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq by uh, the United States uh, with President George W. Bush and the British with Tony Blair. Our people who stood idly by, as it were, while that happened, are they, we, in any position, really, when you consider the hundreds of thousands who died and the state Iraq and that region is in now with terrorists in control virtually, are we in any position morally or in any other way politically to condemn Putin for what he's done in Ukraine? I think Iraq was a mistake. I, I think most people who now look at uh, look back at those 20 years, it was a tragedy. It, it was a mistake. But in a sense, to me, that that means it's even more important that we handle the Russian threat uh, yes. more effectively. I now there's been a, a spate of of articles in the last couple of days, a good dose of sort of whataboutism, um, yes. saying, "Well, you know, look at Iraq, look what happened there." And of course, these are sort of articles which will be happily promoted on uh, through Chinese or Russian propaganda channels. But I've always felt that. Yes, just because mistakes were made uh, in in Iraq, that that's no reason to, 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 to give Russia or China or anybody else a free reign or a free pass on repression within their own countries or aggression internationally. Um, it, it's I think it's it's too easy to to to, to slip back into a dose of. What aboutism? Yes, um, and, and yes, irrespective of injustices that were done in the past, we can't use that as an excuse to ignore incredible brutality, injustice in the present. Oh yes, no, and and I I speak as somebody who was actively against the invasion of Iraq. However, the minds I'm trying to get into would be the Chinese or indeed the Russian mind and uh, the skepticism that might exist about Western talk of of our values. Um, th there is a, an issue here of Moldova, which has arisen in the last couple of weeks. Uh, there's an ethnic, a large ethnic Russian population there, but there is fear now that that may be on uh, Putin's wish list, uh, a move in that direction. Is President G, all in with Putin. I think that I mean I think he's got his own agenda. There's no doubt about that, and I think he sees Putin as useful. I think that when they met before the Olympic Games last year, yes. I find it inconceivable. This is when they announced their, their, their relationship without limits, committed to a, a new international order. Um, I, I, I think when I when I look at that, and when I look at what what has happened since, I think that it's certainly the case that Xi would have been made aware 
in broad terms of what the Russians were planning, if not in the details. And I think he will have been appalled uh, by the Russian incompetence by the, the the very visible brutality, not by the brutality per se, but the fact that it is so obvious and so clear and so and so clearly seen by the world. I think that Russia that, that China has benefited enormously um, by being able to to do deals on cheap Russian um, hydrocarbons, um, on agricultural goods, um, on sales of other goods to Russia. He's been able to leverage the relationship in China's favor. I think it also suits him to have the Americans and the Europeans preoccupied with a war in Europe um, as a way of perhaps, as he would see it, drawing their attention away from uh, Chinese activities in the Far East, around Taiwan, in the South China Sea. So there are lots of reasons why Xi finds the, the, what, Russia, what, what Putin is doing expedient for him, yes. uh, there's a difference between that and saying that he that he is. Uh, I, I, I see it as an, a marriage of convenience, I suppose, as it was described yesterday. I don't necessarily think there is a lot of love there, but it suits both parties at the moment to go along with it. Um, and that, when you marry that with their shared view of the world, um, whether that is their shared view of the West but also their underlying sense of grievance and victimhood, their sense uh, of, of wanting to rebuild this almost um, mythical sense of a, a past glorious uh, nationhood. Um, it doesn't make it any less dangerous, Eamon, but I, but I think there's a, there's a good dose of realism and expediency that runs through their relationship, yes. not necessarily love. Now, you mentioned Taiwan, and it is... Uh, clearly and has been for several years now, forever in terms, but the activity, uh, the invasion of airspace, the constant militarism associated with Taiwan, the Chinese surrounding it. Now, there was this agreement signed last week between the United States, Britain and Australia for nuclear uh, powered submarines, and that's very important, but it will take a long time to kick in. Is is what's happening in Ukraine a kind of test case for President Xi and the West response also for him deciding that it's time to go for Taiwan? Yeah, it's it's a difficult one, which I wrestle with all the time. Uh, and I think the Taiwanese do as well from my conversations when I was when I visited last last year. Um, and even the, the, the Taiwanese view is, yes, on the one hand, the Ukraine war for the Russians has turned into a quagmire, and it's been a visible display of asymmetric warfare that here we have plucky Ukraine, who on paper were vastly inferior to the Russian invasion force, that not only were they able to push them out of parts of Ukraine, but they have fought back um, with a passion and a skill that yes. people really were surprised by. And I think there has been a view in Taiwan elsewhere, it was certainly my view at the time, that this would give a pause for thought in in Beijing, because invading Taiwan would be very, very difficult. It's an, it's an, it's an island, its geography, its weather, its ability to fight are very, very profound. And, 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 and I, 
the the argument that I found persuasive was that yes, this would give a bit of a pause pause for thought in Beijing. But equally, there were those in Taiwan saying, "Well, hang on a minute. He may well conclude that now is the time to go. Yes. He may well conclude that people are drawing parallels between Ukraine and Taiwan. Uh, that alliances in the region are being bolstered, um, AUKUS being one. Um, that the Americans, Europe is paying far more attention to Taiwan, to the region." Um, Economically, as well as in security terms, and may well conclude that well, you know, now's the time to go for it because it's only going to it's only going to become more difficult in terms of what we're facing militarily, um, and in terms of the the Taiwanese people themselves wanting nothing to do with Beijing. So it's 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 a tough one because for for Xi to to, to make a lurch for Taiwan and to fail would probably be will certainly yes. be the end of him and possibly the end of the Chinese Communist Party because it's such an important element of their idea of national reunif- reunification. Yes. Um, uh, that, that, that to not achieve it would, would be very damaging for them. So it, it's, it's a difficult one. And of course, one of the things that Xi will be looking for in his meetings with Putin is, is that Putin would provide moral and possibly more support to him uh, in the event of, of a war around Taiwan. Um, would it be fair to say that given all the circumstances and you could bring in Australia, of course, and Japan also, uh, big nations and weapons, that an assault on Taiwan would be deadly, dangerous, and possibly nuclear. I think there is that very real threat. Part of the strategy of of China is to raise the costs to America of yes. defending Taiwan. Uh, they've invested very heavily in capabilities, submarines, um, missiles dubbed the carrier killers um, as a way of trying to keep America out of the conflict. They're also investing heavily in upgrading and rapidly expanding the strategic nuclear arsenal. Uh, One of the things they will have noted is that Russia has Brandaged nuclear, brandished nuclear weapons has has has, has threatened uh, in a way we didn't even see during the the, the Cold War so much, um, so overtly threatening your nuclear weapons. And I think China will have noted that NATO has avoided direct confrontation with Russia, uh, and one of the reasons for that is because they didn't want to risk nuclear escalation. Yes. So all of this will have been noted by China, um, and it. Certainly, the risks around Taiwan are are grave. Yeah, just let me ask you a final question, Ian, about the future and about the future for the West, uh, bearing in mind what we've been talking about, particularly in relation to the Chinese and their uh, desire to uh, reunite their country as they see it by uh, taking Taiwan. We are it's often said now, living in a very different geopolitical world. Would you accept that? And would you also believe that we're living in this new uh, geopolitical world, more dangerous and likely to last for some time? 
I think so. It, it is dangerous. It certainly got longevity uh, because you're seeing such a profound realignment. Um, although that said, of course, if Putin was to be overthrown tomorrow, who knows what the, the nature of any regime might be that would appear in in Moscow. Um, and of course, the chi China was very keen to, to keep the Russians in, in its camp. But I, I'm also a believer in, I, I don't, I don't accept the sort of the inevitability of conflict sort of school of thought that you see in right. a lot of strategic studies. Because if you take China, I think we may well have seen peak China in many ways. They're facing so many problems at home from demographics, um, through to, other pressing economic issues, that they have numerous vulnerabilities. And there are many smart ways of competing with China, many smart ways of blunting Chinese aggression. Short and of, you, the of Americans uh, are well placed to do that, aren't they, particularly in the economic uh, they are, and I, th I think we're, we're seeing the recognition of that. It's not, yes, there are these military alliances being revived in, in the Far East and elsewhere, but there's also a recognition that we need to build influence in other ways, that if, if Western democracies want to exert their influences and their values, that there are smarter ways of doing that in terms of providing economic assistance in ways of you know, ma making countries feel loved in a way that wasn't the case uh, un under Trump. Uh, didn't Angela Merkel try that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, I think Sorry, I that was no, a, I mean, no, a cheap shot. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, there was the, the whole German thing of, of change through trade and the fact that you can. But I think that was slightly different because you had uh, aggressive and authoritarian countries like Russia and China. And I think there was a German feeling. Well, I, I think it was yes. self-serving in many respects, but it was that, that if you cozied up, you you stepped up trade, investment, economic links, that somehow that following on from that would be all sorts of other desirable changes, whether it was in terms of democracy, in terms of economic liberalization. But I suppose in terms of the competition with China and Russia, it's more looking at areas and countries uh, which China has targeted for influence and saying, well, hang on a minute, you know, there are other sources of investment for your infrastructure. There are other relationships that you can build. And and I think that in many respects, they're pushing it an open door because there is a global wariness about China's overextending itself yes. and its pushiness. Okay, Ian, we're very grateful to you for joining us. Uh, Ian Williams is the author of a very, very good book called Fire of the Dragon, China's New Cold War, and uh, he's written four books and he's got BAFTAs and Emmys and all kinds of things. And we're very, very happy every time he talks to us uh, on the stand. Thank you very much, Ian. Thanks to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.